Worshiping the king. Oh my gosh, man, it's awesome, you know. Worshiping the king. I don't understand why we get pleasure in worshiping the king. I don't understand why we're satisfied inside. That doesn't make sense, man. Like, if I'm worshiping somebody, it's supposed to be for them to be pleasured, not for me. But for some reason, we get to take part and the Lord blesses us. You know that the Lord sings songs over us? You know that He sings about us? The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty, mighty. He will praise, He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in His love and rejoice over thee with singing. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty, mighty, mighty. I believe it's Zephaniah 3.14. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. The Lord, our God, in the midst of us is mighty. Yes, He is. He will save and He will rejoice over me with joy. He rejoices over me. He rejoices over you with joy, great joy. He rests in His love, not in our love, because our love is weak. But He rests in His own love. And He rejoices over us with what? Singing. Can you see Jesus singing songs about us? In love with us? Wanting to be with us and hang out with us? He sings songs about us all day long. When we fellowship, when we fellowship, the Lord records, the Lord records and writes down remembrance of us. And man, I'm trying to think of the passage right now. It's going to haunt me all night now. But do you know that the Lord actually writes words of remembrance for us? That when we fellowship, when we hang out together, when we talk about Jesus, that He's actually recording He's actually recording and writing down all the things that are happening and being said. Writing a book of remembrance about us when we fellowship, when we spend time together, when we hang out together, when we talk about Jesus. He's writing down. Let me take a look, please. The text we're going to be looking at tonight, though, if you want to turn there real quick while I'm turning and trying to find this. It is in um, Hebrews chapter 10, of course. This is a small text that we'll be looking at. Yes, I found it. Praise the Lord. Malachi chapter 3, verse 16. Let me just read it to you. You can write that down as a reference. Malachi chapter 3, verse 16. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. They that feared the Lord. Who's that? That's me and you, Chip. That's us. We fear the Lord, right, Robert? Amen. They that fear the Lord, they spake often to one another. That's we're speaking often. We speak often. We talk to each other. And the Lord hearkened. That word hearkened is an illustration of like a, a deer. You know, like when a deer's walking in the woods and you know you got your gun, you're mounted up, you're ready to cap this thing, and all of a sudden you step on a you know a piece of wood or something like that, and the ear pricks up. Hearken. The ear pricks up and it sees you and it points towards you or a cat. You know a cat, you know their ears like flip all the way around, you know, like trying to hear where you're at. Hearken, the Lord's ears hearken unto us. And heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that ought upon his name, that thought upon his name. That thought upon his name. He writes, he's writing it down, the book of remembrance. 
Right in all the times that we sit there and think about him and talk about him. And praise the Lord about that, huh? Praise you, praise me to you, King, for that. What a good God we serve. That's what I want to talk about tonight is fellowship. You know, we've looked at the three elements up to now. We've looked at, obviously, the teaching of the Word of God, which we've been doing. But secondly, communion we looked at a couple weeks ago. And then, that, and then the last week we looked at prayer. And this week we're going to look at fellowship. Acts 2.42, the four square. That's what I really want to exercise when I come together with you guys. Whether it be a small group or a large group, I really don't care. I want to exercise what they were doing, the Apostles' Doctrine. Let's turn to Acts 2.42 just real quick. I just want to show you there so that we can see together what's going on. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. We just need to say a quick prayer again. I need need to talk to the Lord. Lord, I ask my King that you would speak. Please, Lord, I don't know what to say, but I know you do. So please speak to us that we would walk away changed forever. Speak to my heart, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Acts 2.42 And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking bread and in prayers. Notice there's four things there that that are mentioned that would be in Bible study. It's kind of like the equation, the four square. You have what? Number one, they continued steadfastly in the Apostles' Doctrine. Apostles' Doctrine, what's that? We're, we're looking at it. Number two, fellowship, which we're going to be talking about tonight. True fellowship. That's what I titled this message tonight, if there was one. True fellowship. Number three, breaking of bread. Communion. And number four, prayer, of course. Is there one missing there that we do when we spend about 30 minutes every single time we get together? Worship. Notice that it is not there within this text. We know that they did sing together. We know that Paul and the boys did sing together. We see that in the the epistles that he writes to the churches there in Corinth and Galatians and Ephesians. We see them singing spiritual songs, joyful songs to the Lord. But I would hope that we would get to a point where we spend a good amount of time in each one of these things. For they're all equally important. Does one outweigh another? No, but for some reason we spend a whole lot more time in one than another. We spend about 45 minutes in teaching, about 5 minutes in communion, once a month. Prayer time, well, that's what you do on your own. I'll pray a prayer here or there, right? That's what you do at home. We don't do that here as a church, do we? That's what they were doing. And fellowship, real fellowship. I'm talking about true fellowship. Sitting down and aiding to one another, which we're going to be talking about tonight. But I'm going to finish reading this. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, verse 43. And 44... And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had needed. You see that? What happened was, in the day of Pentecost, you got people coming from all kinds of different places, okay? They're coming together. It's like if we had somebody come from San Diego, right? We had somebody come from, some people from Reno Valley, we had people come from Corona, down by the beach, from Fontana, people coming from everywhere to come and meet here, right? 
And all of a sudden, or maybe even further than that, I don't know, maybe out of state, or I don't know. But anyways, they're coming from all over, and this big revival breaks out the day of Pentecost. Remember, 3,000, 5,000 coming to Christ, a huge amount of people. And so this whole revival breaks out, and what happens? You have all these people coming to Jesus, and so now they don't want to go home. They want to continue meeting with these people. They don't want to just go home and get away from this. They want to stay there. So what do they do? Everybody sells everything they have, the locals that live there, and they parted it to everybody that they had. They just gave everybody everything they had. They just made it even. Now, are we to do that today within the church? No, I don't believe so, because we all have homes here. We all live here. But if something like that was to happen, where people from out of state came from everywhere, they're like, we just want to stay with you here, then yeah, let's sell everything that we have. Let's sell our houses, sell our motorcycles and our cars and everything that we have, and what? And, and give the money and part it evenly to everybody so that everybody would be able to live here and we'd spend time together in church. John Corson, you know, when he started his church, you know what he did? He left the church that he was at. He was teaching there and he's heading it up. He went up to Applegate because there was like three or four families up there that just wanted him to meet. They were listening to his tapes and they're like, John, you've got to come up. So he went up one time, loved it, and he told his wife, he's like, I think the Lord's calling us up there. We need to go up there. So he goes up there into a house and he just starts teaching. And they taught every single night they met together. Every single night. That sounds like church. That sounds like right here in the book of Acts. What does it say in verse 46? And they continually, daily, with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singing with their heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. There you go, singing with gladness. And the Lord added to the church daily. Daily. I love that daily. You want to know why? Because they were meeting daily. When does the Lord add to the church? Well, on Sundays for us. But I hope that the Lord would be adding to the church every single day because we as a church get together in fellowship and love on one another. And man, I don't know how, friends. And I'm not saying that we're going to start doing this right now. But I pr- that, that is my heart's desire. That one day we would just be able to meet from house to house every single night. There would be Bible study going on at different houses all over the place. And we just bounce from place to place and Paul the Apostle comes and teaches us every single night. Or different people, different apostles. And Timothy stands up and teaches. And Peter and John stand up and teach. And we go from house to house just fellowshipping and loving on one another. And that's our life. We work to put food on the table. But our whole goal in life is just to praise God and to spend time with Him every single night. Get together and love on one another and fellowship and be a family. You know what I'm talking about? The real thing. Meeting house to house. Being a church is a city where all houses were just meeting together. That's what we did. Not a bunch of buildings. Buildings are okay. Right? We've all been blessed by them, yes. Our churches and the place that we go to, we've been blessed. But I hope that fellowship would continue in this way somehow. And so over to Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to be looking at tonight. Hebrews chapter 10. Before we dive into the scripture here, maybe a little foundation. The reason why I bring this fellowship, do I, know, I know you know what fellowship means. I know you understand it. I know you've gone over within your heart. But I think that I want to look at it in a more deeper way. I want us to understand exactly what fellowship is. And when I say I'm going to have fellowship, I'm really going to have some fellowship. 
A lot of times we as Christians say, fellowship, we're going to go fellowship. We're going to go play basketball. Two Christians getting together and playing basketball is not fellowship. No offense. Is that, can we do that? Yeah. Play basketball. And it's like if Jesus comes up in our basketball, then we call it fellowship. Fellowship is saying we're going to sit down together. We're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to pray for one another. We're going to encourage one another. Hey, let's go to Starbucks and let's fellowship. Let's sit down and talk about Jesus. That's what I've been trying to do with a lot of the guys and you guys that are here, any of you guys who want to. Mondays and Thursdays and Saturdays, that's what I'm trying to do is call up all the guys on, um, anybody's invited, I guess, and anybody wants to come. We're just, we're just sit down and talk about Jesus. That's what I want to do. I just want to talk about Jesus. I love talking about him. He's awesome. Every time I do, I walk away blessed. Real fellowship. And you know what? If we end up, how about we say we're going to go fellowship and we start talking about Jesus and all of a sudden it's like, hey, let's go play a game of basketball. Okay. But see, we're, we're going to talk about Jesus and we end up doing something else. Or hey, let's go. It, it, the, the initiation should be us going to talk about the king, spend time with the king, pray for one another, encourage one another, talk about problems and issues in life, really get down to something, a partnership. You understand what I'm talking about, Brock? The real thing. Where I sit down and spend time because you want to know why? When we sit down and do that, when we don't say, hey, let's go fellowship and play basketball, do we remember that basketball game for the rest of our lives? Who cares? Nobody really cares about the basketball. But when we sit down... And we spend time and talk about the Lord and pray for one another, encourage one another, we don't forget those times. And we walk away saying what? That was the sweetest time ever. That was awesome. You want to know why? Because Jesus was there. And that's why I want to call it true fellowship tonight. True koinonia. True time spent with the brothers. Let's go and fellowship. Let's go and talk about Jesus. Can you go and do something and talk about Jesus at the same time? It's not like there's this legalistic thing, you know, attached to it, like, you know, me and Eric would like go rock climbing and stuff like that. It's not like we can't say, right, let's go fellowship, so now we can't go rock climbing. No, it's like, okay, let's go fellowship, let's go rock climbing, but let's talk about Jesus while we're rock let's, let's make that the, the center. Let's make that, let's talk about some issues. Let's pray for one another while we're on the rocks. Let's climb and have a blast and talk about things here and there, but let's make Jesus our, our center, our focus, and watch how our hearts are changed. Do you understand? Let's get in some true fellowship. Verse 24 here of chapter 10 of Hebrews. I want to read verse 24 and 25. And then we're going to look at a picture of fellowship in the New Testament. Verse 24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as the matter, manner of some is, but exhorting one another... And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let's look at the first verse there, 24. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love, number one. Let us consider one another to be provoking one another to love. To love. To love. How can we provoke one another to love? Well, we have to be hanging out with the one who is love. Who is that? God, of course. God is love. First John tells us. So if God is love, love and we're hanging out with the king, hanging out with love, then we will be provoking one another to love all the time. And we will see things through different glasses, different goggles. We'll be wanting to love one another. We want to be provoking. I, I, 
what I'm trying to get at here is when you spend time with one another, when you're talking with one another, when you're sitting down, that you'd be thinking enough about the person to love on them in a certain way. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean you've got to come and give them a kiss on the forehead? No. But truly looking out after them. Look, right now, look at the people you hang out with. Look at them. Do you want to provoke them to love every single time you spend time with them? Are you longing and yearning in your heart to want them to become better people and happier people? Are you provoking them to love or provoking them... I like that. Provoking them to love. Who's love? God. Provoking them to God. Provoking them to the one who is love. Is that the desire of your heart? I hope it is. Jesus was a man of sorrows. Do you know why? It wasn't because he was a sad man all the time because life didn't work out the way he wanted to. No! He was a man of sorrows because he cared about people so much that he would cry for them and weep for them. Have you cried for anyone? Look at Jeremiah. The people would not come to repentance. He was the man of sorrows. Crying and weeping for people. And if you haven't, ask God that he would give you that heart. Not a forced cry where we get down on our face and, oh, I can't believe this happening to that. No, but I'm talking about some genuine stuff. Where your heart actually aches because your friends are not seeing God in the way that you are. Aren't you bombed? I hate that. I'm sick of the enemy ripping off my buddies. I'm sick of the enemy, I'm sick of the enemy showing them and making them think that they're having fun in what they're doing and that they would rather do that than talk about Jesus. When I know that the King has freed me so much of my life and given me so much liberty, and I want them to have that too. And my heart breaks inside. And so we are to provoke them to love, number one. True fellowship is wanting to provoke them to love, provoke them to know God better. When I sit down at a table, I hope that we walk away rejoicing because we know the King better. Can we talk about everything else? Yeah, I do all the time. But I would love it if somehow every single time I'm talking, the conversation turns and we start talking about Jesus. I would love that. Now, Josh, I don't know how to do that. Well, listen. I'm telling you, when you hang out with, with the one who is love, you automatically provoke people to love. But you got to hang out with them. When you hang out with people who clown around all the time, you find yourself clowning around. When you hang out with people who are depressed all the time, you end up being down. When you hang out with people who skate all the time, you probably end up skating. Or surfing, or all of the above, whatever that may be. You understand? When you hang out with the one who is love, you end up provoking people to love. Let's do that. Number two, in verse 24, and to good works, provoking them to good works. Good works. Good works. Not bad works, but good works. When we're hanging out in fellowship, we find ourselves provoking them to good works, to doing good things in life, to running after the King, to reading the Bible, busting out the Word. Man, every single time I around John Corson, he wouldn't let us. It was just a thing like, we'd be talking about nachos, and he'd turn it around and Jesus would come in somehow, you know? You know, nachos taste so good, but you want to know what tastes better? Jesus. And I, that's the thing. I mean, he provoked us to good works. When we were there in the desert, every single one of the brothers wanted to do good because of hanging out with John. In the same way, when people hang out with you, what do they provoke to? What do they want to do when they hang around you? 
What do they want to do when they look into your eyes? Are they stoked? Are they liberated in freedom life? Like, man, you motivate me. You make me want to do good in life. Say, it's not me, man. I'm a big loser. Don't you know what I've done? No. Only if you did. It's Jesus living through me. That's what you see. That's what makes you want to do good. And we need to recognize that. And I believe once again the way to do that. The, who's the good shepherd? The one who does good works. The one who gives good gifts from heaven. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Who's the one who gives that? It's Jesus. How do you provoke people to good works? It's by hanging out with the one who is good. The good shepherd, Jesus himself. I'm telling you the secret behind everything is just hanging out with Jesus. I'm telling you. I don't know how much more... But we must ask ourselves, how much time do we really spend with Jesus, man? Go take a walk with Him. You'll be free. Just get on your face and talk to Him all day long. It's not a chore. Is this hard to talk? No. Is it hard to talk and walk with your friends? No. Everything that you do, every place that you go, may Jesus be number one. I love there's a girl that I know that she's telling me, you know, like one of her friends... She takes Jesus out on dates. I think I told you guys this already, but man, it's just awesome. Takes Jesus out on dates. She goes and picks him up, puts a seatbelt on, goes and buys him a coffee at Starbucks and sits down and talks to the king. That's awesome. I'm not saying you have to go buy the Lord to Starbucks right now. No. Whatever it is for you, talking with the Lord, spending time with Him, do that. Find out what that is and hang out with Him. And you will find yourself provoking people to good. Number three. Well, I guess there's a little thing in here in verse 25 that says, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. We're not going to forsake that. This isn't really a point here, but of something that should happen. But I want to show you that we should not forsake. We should not hold back on the gathering of the brethren. Why? Well, you know why. It's almost obvious when, you don't, when you're not hanging around people who are going to bless you and encourage you and motivate you, you're not going to be motivated, blessed, and excited. When you're not hanging out with people who love Jesus, it's hard to love Jesus. And many of us have experienced this in our lives, all, all of us in our lives. When you hang out with people who aren't going to build you up and bless you, you know what's going to happen. So you can do that. You can try to be a light in this world and, and succeed, but many fail. We find ourselves in a hole, and we ask ourselves, how do we get here? Surround yourselves. I've had many people come up to me and say, man, Josh, we need to hang out, please. When I got back to Mexico, just please, just please let me hang out. I don't care what, I just want to go and sit down just let me tag along. I just want to hang out, man. I just want to talk about Jesus. And so we do. And maybe you need to grab on some people and do that too. Start discipling them. Start grabbing on them saying, you're coming with me. Come and hang out with me. Or maybe you need to go and ask somebody close to you if you can hang out and talk about Jesus all the time. Okay? We need this. Do not forsake the assembly of the brethren or the sisters. But number three, 
as the manner of some it is, but exhorting one another, exhorting one another. This part of fellowship here, exhorting, true fellowship, sitting down, exhorting one another. Now this could be a couple different things. Exhorting could be an encouragement, a word of encouragement to somebody. Just tell them, hey, listen up, man. I'm really stoked on the way you've been living lately. I'm so blessed by the way that you've been you know, living up life. I'm really, I'm stoked for you. Thank you so much for the way you've been living. Exhorting them, encouraging them, lifting them up, building them up in whatever situation, trial or tribulation, or a rebuking possibly. I got rebuked today. Big time. And uh, it was awesome. How's it going? It, w- it was awesome. I, I, an exhortation, once again, could be, you know, it could be an encouragement or it could, be, it could possibly be an, a rebuke. I got drop kicked through the ceiling, man. And it was awesome because you want to know what happens when you get rebuked? The walls go up real quick. And you're just like, uh oh. I'm, I got rebuttals up the yin yang. I'm about to drop kick somebody for calling me out. You don't call me out. You know who I am. I'm Josh Thompson. But the Lord tapped my heart and said, You little buster. He didn't say that. I said that. He said, Josh, you're wrong, man. You need to think this through. He's speaking to you out of love and he's trying to help you. I said, Lord, that's right. And I remember back in Proverbs it says, a wise man loves rebuke. Loves rebuke. Loves being called out. Loves being changed in their heart. You found something wrong with me? Tell me please that I can fix it. Tell me please that I can get things right more with Jesus. Tell me please that I can know the King better. If there is anything holding me back, I pray that you would rebuke me that I can see better and more clear. Isn't that the goal for life? Isn't that what this is all about? We're trying to seek after the King. And I'm telling you, friend, pride holds us back. You cannot see so many things in life. There are so many things that we cannot see that we ourselves are doing. It's pride that holds you back. It's so hard to see, I'm telling you. My buddy, back in high school, the first time I started figuring out who I was and what people viewed me as from the outside, my role in life, the way society viewed me and was accepting me. And, you know, I was always told I was a leader and that I could do this and do that. And, and do, just different things were told to me. And um, this one thing was a negative thing. It was a rebuke from my buddies. And he said, you know what? He just told me when he's fed up with me. He said, you know what? You're the most prideful, arrogant person I've ever met in my life. He was dead serious. And I was like, and I got mad. I was like, what? I can't believe you didn't say that to me. I'm not prideful. And that sentence right there was the most prideful, arrogant thing I could have ever said. And I didn't realize it until a couple um, hours later when it hit me like a ton of bricks. I mean, it smashed me in the face, face because I was sitting there. And I'm like, Lord? I started asking me, I was like, Lord, am I prideful? Is it me? And then I remember back when, when my buddy said, you're the most prideful person I ever met. I said, no, I'm not. And I knew right there at that moment the Lord spoke to me so clearly. He said, by you even saying, no, you're not, that's the most prideful, because a prideful person would say, no, I'm not. A prideful person would not even start to examine themselves and say, really, are you, are you sure? 
A prideful person would never take any consideration and ask themselves if it is me. And that's what I started to do. I started asking myself and I realized that and I was like, Lord, it just broke me right there because I realized that's who I was and it seemed like all these things started to be revealed to me. The veil was pulled back and I could see exactly clearly who I was. And it was one of the greatest things I could have ever felt in my life. And so true fellowship, you know what a best friend does? A best friend will stab you in the front. Not in the back, but in the front. And the truth hurts. But I'll stab you as hard as I can to let you know your faults and the things that are holding you back from the King because I care about you. Because I love you. And I want you to have a closer relationship with God. Do I love you enough to tell you the truth? If you're struggling with something, you know what a great thing would be to do, each one of us, is to go to one of your best friends and say, hey, what is it that you talk about me to your other close friend? What is it that you say that you know that I'm, I'm wrong in and things that I miss out on? What are my weaknesses? Tell me, please. One time me and Jeremy, man, late at night, it was crazy, I was spending the night over his house, Jeremy's actually going to come next week. He's going to come and teach with us. Amen? 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 Amen. Hear that, dude? Clap. But um, we're sitting there in bed. (laughs) 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 Amen? (laughs) Hear that one, dude? So we're sitting there. He's got a futon, you know, bunk beds or whatever. I'm on the bottom. He's on top bunk. We're sitting there. We're talking. I remember we asked each other, Dude, what is it that you see in me that I'm struggling with? What is it that I lose in? And we told each other. And it was embarrassing and it was weird and awkward. But you know what? I figured myself out right there. And I got a chance to start working on those things. And it was awesome. It was a blessing. A wise man loves rebuke. And so you know what? True fellowship is sitting down and telling somebody the truth because you love your friend. And you know what? A lot of people don't know how to accept rebuke. They do not know how to accept it. And may your heart Learn how to accept that. When somebody tells you something that you've done wrong, your first thing that you ever say should not say, that's not me, or no, I didn't. Uh Uh-uh. It should always say, Lord, is it me? When the disciples, when Jesus said, "One one of you will betray me, they said, is it I, Lord? They didn't say, not me. Nope. They said, Jesus, is it me? Am I the one to betray you? Who is it? Because they're concerned. Are you concerned with your walk? Enough to be able to ask the king, what's going on in your life? What are you struggling with? So fellowship, true, real, vibrant fellowship is what? It's number one, when you provoke someone to love. When you provoke someone to the one who has loved Jesus Christ himself. By you hanging out with the one who is love, you become love, you provoke people to love, God. Number two, you provoke them to good works. You provoke them to do good when they hang around you. They just want to do good because of being around you. When the boys hung around Jesus, man, they couldn't help but see the things that he did and be in awe of it and want to do better. And the kind of two and a half there, remember, we're not to forsake the assembly of the brethren. Don't neglect getting to be- together with me, Chip. Please. I want to be close to you. That all the brothers, Daniel, that 
we would all come together, Bobby and Vince, please. And girls, that you would come together. There's something, I'm going to approach it right now, there's something wrong in the female world where girls just, I don't know what it is. And I can't pinpoint it. I, de I desire so much for the women to come together in a godly manner and just love on one another. But there's some animosity somehow, and I don't know how, and somebody needs to rise up and step up and do something. And make us stand and say, you know what? Forgiven, 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 forgiven. But she said, who cares? I'm sorry if I'm offending you in any way, but I'm just, you know, I want you to be happy. And I know there is something that happens when there's some strong fellowship within a group of women. I know there's some, you guys can get closer than we guys can ever get, you know? But it never happens. Or it only happens with one or two people. So we are not to forsake that. Somehow we have to bring it together. Somehow this generation, we must change the way things have been. I'm sick of it. And I'll help in the best way I can. Please tell me what I can do. I want you to be happy. And number three, exhorting one another. Whether that be encouraged. Praise the Lord, man. I can't believe... Thanks for serving Jesus so much. Thanks for being such a blessing and an encouragement to me. Man, John would encourage us nonstop out there in the desert. Nonstop. This guy. Okay, after the lamest worship I've ever heard in my life, you know, somebody playing guitar and just hitting wrong notes and chords everywhere, and I can't even worship and stay focused, John will get up there and say, Josh, that worship just blessed my heart. That was so wonderful. I was filled with joy and gladness as I lifted my hands to the Lord. And it was just the Holy Spirit fell upon me greater than I've ever felt it. It was oh, thank you, you know, you. And all the brothers say, yeah, it was awesome. It's like no, it was. that we would exhort one another and encourage one another, whether they deserve it or not. Who cares? Jesus encourages us every single day, and we're a bunch of losers, huh? says, good job, Josh. What, am I doing a good job? Yes, you are. Uh, I haven't read my Bible today. I haven't prayed today. Great job. Well done, good and faithful servant. Good and faithful. But the Lord is good to us in that way, huh, Bobby? Stefan, you know what I'm talking about? So maybe we exhort and encourage in that way, true fellowship. And now I want to read through a picture. A picture of some sweet fellowship that I see. I'm sorry, Gus. I just wanted to give the def... No. Yes, I'm going to. It's a, it's, it's a cool definition here. I looked at the word, obviously, fellowship. We know it's koinonia, the word there. But the root word is a sweet word here. It's koinonos. And it means a partner or an associate, a comrade, a companion, a partner, a sharer. I think of a business partner or something. When you go in half and half, you're partners till the end. True fellowship, true koinonia, the root word, partner. Let's go fellowship. Really? You want to be my partner? Do you really care about me? Do you really want to talk to me about some real issues and some real stuff? You mean you really want to pray with me? You mean you're willing to exhort me and stab me in the front? You mean you're going to provoke me to love and, and encourage me? Yes. You understand what that is? 
Koinonia Fellowship Association Community Communion, Joint Participation. I love that. It says intercourse or intimacy. Sex. You know, it's a bummer. I'm going to bring this up real quick. It's a bummer that sex has been something so demented and made dirty within our minds. Because God made it all the way back to the beginning. Think about it. In the, in the Garden of Eden, was it some dirty porno site or this and that? Was that what sex was? That No! It was the most beautiful flower. A sweet and soft teddy bear. A warm fireplace. A beautiful waterfall. That's what sex was. And that's what it was meant to be. And that's why this word intercourse here, this word um, intimacy, partnership, coming together, should be something beautiful and sweet and wonderful. Guy between guy. Girl between girl. Sweet fellowship. Wonderful. True fellowship, my friends. Luke chapter 24, if you turn with me real quick. Luke chapter 24. Read through a couple verses here, but I want you to see this. This is a cool picture of fellowship. Jesus, of course, our King, our Savior, the Master of the entire universe. Of course we can learn from Him. Perfect fellowship, and we'll see why. Jesus, at this point, what has happened, He's just been crucified, you know. He's been nailed to the cross for your sins and mine too. Set us free on that cross. The disciples didn't know what was happening. They're bummed. They lost their best friend. He's dead. Take the person you idolize most in your life or that you look up to, your mentor. What if they were taken from you immediately? You didn't even know. You're stuck three days after. Where would you be? Probably be bummed out. Probably be down. Jesus, name above all names, the beautiful Savior, the glorious Lord. He was there with him, and those boys loved him to death. Truly, they loved him to death. They all died for him. And here they are. Jesus has just died. Little did they know he's risen from the dead. It's the third day. And they're bummed out. They're walking on the road. These aren't the, the one of the twelve disciples. This is two other disciples that they were followers of Jesus, just like me and you. And if we were there in Jesus' time, we would be bummed out too. We were following the king, and there he is. He's dead now. The eleven weren't here, but let's read it together, starting in verse 13 of Luke 24. A great picture of fellowship. And we'll read together. And behold, two of them went that same day to, these are the disciples, not the eleven, but just two of the extra disciples, to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs, which is about seven miles. So they were going on this road to Emmaus, and they talked together of all the things which had happened. Which things? Which we just talked about. Remember, Jesus being crucified. And it came to pass, verse 15, that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Oh man, this is awesome. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him, verse 16. So real quick, what has happened? Two disciples walking on the road. 
man, I can't believe what's happened. Jeez, man, you know, the king's gone. What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? I can't believe this. This is nuts. And all of a sudden, Jesus himself walks up behind them. But they didn't know it was him. Somehow Jesus like blinded their eyes where they couldn't see that it was him. It was like he was wearing those, those glasses with the nose and the little mustache. And <laughs> he was in disguise. Verse 16, let me read again. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. They didn't know. They couldn't tell that it was him. Verse 17, And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one with another as ye talk, as ye walk? Why are ye sad? Just to translate that for you real quick, he pretty much says to him, What are you discussing? Why are you guys sad? Why are you down? That's what Jesus says to him. In verse 18, And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Are you only a stranger in Jerusalem and has not known the things which are come to pass in these days? It's like, don't you know what's going on? Hello? Verse 19, And he said unto him, What things, Jesus? I love this. I bet you with a little smile and a little twinkle in his eye. What things? What things? Jesus knew all things. It was him, of course. And they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed, and a word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. So they're bummed out. You know, they're telling Jesus, this is funny, isn't this funny? They're telling Jesus what has happened to Jesus. And the Lord's just sitting there like, what things? I don't know what you're talking about. He's playing them, man. Yea, certain woman also of our company, verse 22, made us astonished, which were earlier at the sculpture. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen visions of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them were with us, and found it even so as the woman had said, but him they saw not. In verse 25, Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and entered into glory? This is awesome. These guys are down. They're bummed out because Jesus has been taken from them. Jesus himself is walking with them. They can't see a Tim. I'm sure he's got to be dropping hints everywhere. You know, I bet you he's like doing all kinds of like little hand motions and things he used to do like on the Mount of Olives when he was te- teaching about maybe the, uh, you know, the Beatitudes or something like that, you know, when he, maybe when he healed a certain guy, he a certain jet. Yeah, he had to be doing a bunch of things. I could see him just kind of playing with the guy, just like, maybe when they weren't looking, he's like, yeah. <laughs> But I love this in verse 27. Jesus, look what he starts to do. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I wrote awesome next to that, and you should too. Jesus himself, I would love to hear this, this sermon right here. Jesus himself, standing here, talking to his two disciples, guess what he did? He looked all the way, all the way back to Moses, all the way through all the prophets, that's right, all the way through 
This Old Testament right here, guess what he did? He showed himself in the Old Testament every single time. Every si- this is me here. This is Jesus here. This is Jesus here. This is Jesus here. This- Didn't you know that he was coming? Didn't you know he was going to be crucified? Hello, look at all the, look at all the things. He could show a Jew probably like that fast where Jesus was in the Old Testament because he is God. He wrote this book, man. He's sitting there. He is schooling them on the book that he wrote. This is nuts. Jesus spoke to him, or them too, about everything and expounded on the scriptures. I wonder what kind of message he brought to the table. It must have been amazing. I'm going to ask the Lord when we get to heaven, when we're standing there. I'll go ask him for you guys, okay? You can ask him. We'll go up there and ask Jesus, what did you say exactly? What does that mean? But a quick note, when you're looking through the Old Testament, that gives us reference right there. What should we be doing when we look in the Old Testament? Looking for Jesus. Looking for Him in the Old Testament. He's there every, everywhere. The grace of God, the King. He is pictured in the Old Testament all over the place. You must look for the gold in these pages. I'm telling you, there's millions of dollars in here with a treasure. That's why I love Johnny C. so much. When I listen to John Corson, because he shows a picture of Jesus in everything, all of his messages. In verse 28, And they drew nigh into the village, whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. Jesus was just going to keep walking. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is far spent. Please stay with us, Jesus. And he went into tarry with them, or he went and stayed with them. And it came to pass as he sat and meet, um, I'm sorry, sat at meat with them, or sat at dinner with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Uh oh. Wonder if things are coming back into being. I remember those hands breaking that bread. What's going on here? And it came to pass as he sat and ate that he took the bread and he blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. What a, what a movie. Can you imagine? Jesus sits down with the boys after they've asked him. He's told them all the things. And there. he's sitting down. He takes the bread. He breaks it. And guess what? He gives it to them. And he says, he just disappears. Just Verse 32 And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way? And while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered and them that were there with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. When was Jesus revealed to them? When the bread was broken. When they took communion. And when is Jesus known to us and brought back into our remembrance? When we break bread. When we take communion. Did our hearts not burn within us when he was walking and talking with us? My heart was burning, Joe, was yours? Yeah! Yeah! We should have known. (sighs) 
They sat down and they went through all the Old Testament looking for Jesus. The two were bummed out and down and sad and guess what happened? Jesus exhorted them. Jesus provoked them to love. Jesus, they wanted to do good works after he had finished hanging out with them, didn't they? Do you see the perfect picture of fellowship here? Walking and talking, that's all they were doing. Seven miles they walked together, just talking about Jesus, literally. They talked about the king. They looked for him in the Old Testament. Their hearts burned inside. Friends, has, has there been times when your heart just burns inside after some good fellowship? You know what I'm talking about? When you sit down and talk about Jesus and you just walk away refreshed more than ever. That is true fellowship. Hey, let's go play basketball. That is not fellowship. Two Christians playing basketball. Your heart is not going to walk away burning. Unless you have a heart attack or something. <laughs> but I'm talking about real, genuine. You know what I'm talking about? Man, just Jesus stuff. The real thing. Hanging out with the king. Talking about him. I want to lay hands on my brothers. I want to pray for them and encourage them. I want when they walk away, whether it be a disagreement or an argument, we walk away with our fists raised in the air, stoked because we've drawn close to the Lord, ready to go and do good works, ready to go and to love wherever that we go. I want to do that, and I want that so bad. I want that so bad in all the groups that I hang out with. You know, guys, I'm going to tell you the truth. I love hanging out and talking, I really do. And I love having a good time. But you know what? There's nothing better and more satisfying within my heart than after we finish talking about the Lord and maybe you pray for me and I get to pray for you. And you get to give me a word of encouragement that the Lord just gave to you and not me saying, not me acting like I know everything and like, yeah, I know, I know, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, and Josh, what do you need? I know. I know. But how it's sitting and receiving it, whether you know it or not. Why don't you let somebody bless you with something the Lord has given you? John was telling us in the desert, he's like, you know what? Many of you will go to be pastors and, and there's going to be people in the congregation who want to come and give words of encouragement to you. And sure, maybe you already know. But you need to listen and let them bless you. That is a huge blessing to them. Just to be able to get those words out and to tell you. Instead of saying, yeah, I know, yeah, I know, yeah, I know. I've heard this already. I can't believe it. Okay, I already know your next point. I'm about to bring it up. No! But to sit back and just listen and say, you know what? That blessed me richly. And thank you for speaking to my heart. I love watching. You know, John, I watch the guys come up and give him like cheesy little things and he'd look at them and say, you just blessed my heart so much. Thank you. I am motivated because of you. You're just like, dude, that was weak. He's dead serious when he means it. He's dead serious when he says it. And I love that. Because I know he already knows that answer. I know he already knows that. But I had to tell him anyways. And he blessed me. And so brothers, sisters here, family, I love you guys. And I want you to walk away blessed. Be looking for Jesus in every conversation. 
doesn't have to be forced in a fake Christian conversation. No! I hate those. I don't want to have any of those. I just want to be talking and when Jesus comes up, or when somebody's down and sad like these two boys on the road, down because their Jesus has died. Maybe that's happened for a lot of us even here tonight. Sometimes Jesus dies in our week, you know, and we get down and bummed out. It's okay. That's when we get to call up and have some fellowship and talk to our brothers or our sisters. Okay? Let's not forsake the assembling of the brethren, and I long for the day that we would meet every night. I long for the day that I get to be with you guys all day, every day. One day. And so take these words, please, and hide them in your heart. Would you be so gracious to me and to the king to hide, hide them in your heart and exercise it tomorrow? Tonight, right now, as we hang out together, we get the fellowship, you know. Don't force it. it. If it doesn't come, then praise the Lord. That's okay. But look for it. If you get an opportunity to see somebody sattered down, or you're with a friend, make sure they walk away blessed. Pray for them. Exhort them and encourage them. Buy them lunch. Do whatever it takes. Help them to walk away with good works and walking away in love in the name of Jesus because you've met with them. Amen? Amen. And King, my Jesus, it's because of you, Lord, that our hearts are the way that we are. It's because of you that we have met in this place today. You are everything. We need you, Lord. I need you. And Father, oh Father, I, I ask that, Lord, every single person in here, they would understand true fellowship with you and true fellowship with their friends. And that they would long to have that. And that they'd see the satisfaction in it, Lord. And me too. Help me to see. God, I pray that your Spirit would descend upon us right now. That you'd fill us in a new way. That you'd give us new hearts and clean hearts, my King. We're your disciples, Lord, and we don't know where to go. Show us the people to go to. Bring us the conversations that we can bless. And have some awesome koinonia. Sit down in all of our conversations, Jesus, please, my Lord. Sit down at Starbucks with us, pull up a chair. We invite you. We invite you into our hearts right now. So here we are, King. Thank you for all you've done. You are awesome. We praise your name tonight. Thank you. Go with us tonight, Jesus. Be with us, my King. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.